0: In the next few days, I will vent my spleen over Claudine Gay and the William Penn statue debate. If you don't know, the National Park Service is planning to take down the William Penn statue in front of William Penn's home in Pennsylvania. They're doing it, they say, uh, for the purposes of inclusion these man bonds at the National Park Service. George Orwell was a god. He saw these people coming. It's important you catch that episode because the deadline for public comment on the issue is 21 January. Uh, And it's an opportunity for you to go on the official historical record pointing out the stupidity of this. The public comment period is what the political whores usually ignore, but in this case, historians can look at it and consider how sleazy politics was in the early 21st century. Welcome to the political party pooper playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking of ways to poop on empty suit politicians, Well, you'd be half right. This is indeed the P4B. I'm your host, the sexy and salacious Matt Jordan. Uh, Today we have a very interesting show, a huge departure from the P4B format, but that's exactly what I've been promising you. Nobody wants to sit and listen to me rant all day, every day just most days you yeah. know so today if i can find my proper screen let's see if we can overlay this this will all be edited i love the edit button that's good i spend i spend more time editing than i do anything else in this business
1: that's very helpful that you know how to do that yourself
0: i need one of those guys but before i can do that i'll need i'll need uh probably a few thousand more followers
1: do you know how many you have uh it's about i
0: have 2000 subscribers substack says i have 17000 users i don't know what that means that's good i i think so i yeah. keep saying only 8 or 9 million more and i'll be kicking joe rogan's ass he better look out i'm sure he's sweating he loses sleep at night uh today uh we our special guest is susan munson she is the author of two books jefferson's godfather the man behind the man george With, mentor to the founding fathers which i cannot wait to get into uh and also the metaphysical thomas jefferson uh, a medium channels the founding father. I'm reading that one right now. I haven't finished it yet. I would have, except I spent the last two weekends with grandchildren. <laughs> and that, that keeps you pretty busy. Um, as I said, there's going to be a huge departure. Um, and Susan makes an important point in the second book, Uh We've all been to car dealers. You know when you need a car and you know when it's, it's got to happen. You're there not because you want to be, because you got to be. And you know that the, the the car salesman's going to go through his routine. And you just got to roll with it. Anybody who's been with me for a while knows that I have zero truck with the spirit world. I have no religious affiliations, no spiritual affiliations at all. Um, But for the purposes of discussion here, suspend disbelief for this discussion. Um, Whether you believe in the paranormal and discussions with uh, people who have died, uh, that's fine. If not, and this seems to be an opinion, regardless of what vehicle was used for the opinion, that's just as good. That's why we're here. That's what we do. But before we get into Thomas Jefferson, I want to pick your brain, Susan. Welcome to the show, by the way. Thank you. Um, I want to pick your brain about George Witt. I've always been fascinated with the guy. There's places and streets and buildings named for him in Virginia, and almost nobody knows who he is. I refer to him as the big giant brain of the revolution and the founding. But if you could give us some background, that would be great.
1: Well, you're right. Uh, In his day, he was great. He was one of the most revered of the founding fathers. And there's still schools and uh, streets named for him from back in the day. But he's uh, sometimes called the forgotten founding father because he wasn't a general. He didn't lead a war. He did not run for national office. I suppose he could have been president if he wanted to be but that he that was not a part of his plan. Uh, he preferred to be a teacher and a judge. And at the time national office wasn't as important to him as service in Virginia, which was the largest and most influential state in the nation. And um, so he had, um, I wanted to bring his legacy back to the 21st century because we're all concerned about ethics and government now. Uh, regardless of your political affiliation. And um, we have the idea that our founding fathers uh, were more principled as a group than some of the people in Washington now. And I happen to believe that that is true. And I uh, pretty much prove uh, who um, instilled a sense of ethics into to the minds of 200 of America's first great leaders. And that was George Wythe as America's first law professor. His former uh, legal apprentice and mentee, Thomas Jefferson, was instrumental in appointing him uh, to the College of William and Mary. They were were completely revamping the college after the English professors left in a huff when independence was declared. And so it was a Marvelous opportunity to have reform and new ideas, and they wanted to reform the legal profession, which was in very low dispute then, much worse then than now, if you can imagine, but wow. uh, because of poor training. And um, so George With, as uh, he he had ten years there at the College of Women and Mary, and um, during that time he not only taught law in in the finest way possible. All kinds of law: ancient Greek, Roman, English, uh, the emerging law in the uh, in America, and uh, but he he taught his students that they shouldn't just go out and make money, which is what they all wanted to do, uh, just focus on on a profession and and making a good income, uh, as the graduates of the first and only law school in America, but he told them they had a duty to go out and serve um serve their country serve their state and serve their country as public servants uh, and that could be uh, running for congress uh, senate or governor and also um, holding a judicial job because yeah. you needed ethical judges you need them now but you also especially needed them at the beginning of our government uh, for yeah. it to have any credibility uh, and he also taught them ethics he he um Someone uh, a contemporary clergyman of the day, a friend of his said, "George Wythe is the only honest lawyer I ever knew and um, <laughs> and he 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 taught and lived by example. He was highly principled. He was a Poor lawyers or yeah. they're
0: front of everybody's jokes,
1: yeah, right yeah. and um so he taught his students, and there were two hundred future leaders that he taught there in Williamsburg. Uh, who went throughout the country. They went to Kentucky and they went to other states to carry his legacy. And he taught them that it would be better to cut off a hand than to put it in the public till for personal gain. I I cut and pasted that very quote for this discussion. Yeah, he as a judge had been given some very rich bribes Mm -hmm. um, by a, quote, Indian Nabob who was used to bribing. And he returned the gifts uh, with a nice note, but it was like a little comeuppance note for yeah, yeah. assuming that he could be bribed.
0: That that would be that would be the way he would be. He would it would be a classy put down.
1: Yes, exactly. He had <laughs> not, a not what you get from that. me, <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: You it, you mentioned um, uh, the study of the Greek and Roman history, uh, the Torah, the Bible. If you look at the letters. Of the founders and look at their uh what they said about their discussions at city tavern during the um, uh, constitutional convention and even prior to declaration of independence Um, they were constantly sourcing the ancients and that included the torah and the bible and uh greek and roman do you think that is the influence of with In evidence, he
1: he was one of the greatest self taught scholars in America during his day. Uh, he was his second son, so he didn't inherit the plantation, he had to go find another way of making a living. So he basically taught himself the study of law, but also, um, he knew five languages, he taught himself five languages. He had one of the largest libraries in America, and he uh did he actually studied Islamic law well. Thomas Jefferson's copy of the Koran, um, uh, which he studied under with, is is used in Congress today for the swearing-in. Um, so with used, uh, um, we wouldn't have a, a government in America right now, probably if it hadn't been for the example of uh, ancient Greek democracy and early uh, the early Roman Republic. Because they um, they put the idea in motion that we didn't have to have a tyrant or a king or a queen or a dictator. you know we could have some method of uh, self-government. and that was a novel idea uh-huh. and it was a novel idea at the time of the American Revolution. And um, our uh, aristocratic friends in England were certain that we would run amok without you know their um, superior, uh, aristocratic control king and parliament. Uh, See, we I, were cons- I
0: sometimes fear and anybody who reads my writing is we're getting back to that. We're drifting very slowly back to, well, I, we've had an imperial presidency since Wilson, definitely since FDR. People go to the polls and listen to them talk. You'd think they were electing a god. That's right. They're just electing the boss of the executive branch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He should be the least important politician in your life. Your mayor should get gas trying to take care of all your troubles. That's right. You know, then your state reps, your governor, you know, the yeah. reps you sent to Washington. And then the president should be, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's he's running the executive. Uh and yet we've we've Well it pretty started pretty very early.
1: Way. Yeah. It started very early with John Adams. Um now, Washington, of course, was the general and the role model for everybody, but when John Adams came in, he had been in the courts of Europe, and uh, he wanted all of the people who were around the White House to be in these costumes, you know? yeah. and he really did want to be treated like a king, I think. you know He had a, he had a weak ego, but a strong ego at the same time. And, um, and also he, he, uh, I'm an admirer of John Adams, by the way, but he did have his faults. And uh, he did want to squash any criticism of the chief executive, Mm -hmm. just as in, in Europe, they squash any criticism of the king or queen.
0: Yeah. Unlike Washington and Jefferson, he pretty much, you could call him a career politician. He was either in law or politics Mm -hmm. his whole life, where Repeatedly, Jefferson and Washington tried to retreat from politics. And That's if you right. look at their writing and their bi- biographies, there were times they would just get home <laughs> and just right. start to decompress and feel good about things and spend their time on the farms. And they get called back to service. They get people haranguing them, when are you going to run? We need you to if not run at least come up here and and politic on our behalf you know give us your endorsements and they were torn by that they, they were it was easy to uh, for for the at uh, the nabobs as you said to make them feel bad for not not coming you know getting back in the fight uh jefferson spent before one election i think he spent five or six months just telling people to go away you know and he finally went back and that's when he actually ran for office um and and that's that's another part of 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 with and jefferson and all these guys this system was set up so that you would do your time go serve a term or two as a congressman as, as a senator or as a chief executive and then you would go home you would Leave town, let it, let the, the next generation take over. But we've gotten away from that too.
1: That's right. Well, Jefferson um, uh, faced a tremendous financial penalty for being away from his farm. It suffered and he died yeah. a poor man as a result of his public service. Right. And some other things, bad loans and some other reasons.
0: Yeah, he did have, um, he was quite a spender. <laughs> was, that too. He carried a great deal of debt, so it didn't help but when when your means of income falls as sharply as his plantation work did yeah the the between the debt and the trying to rebuild uh he was he was selling nails from Monticello, taking certain parts of the building apart and selling yeah. off the materials because he was in such dire straits at one point,
1: yeah, it was pretty sad. he had to sell his library, it was sad. But there were a lot of factors in, in that, um, yeah. as you alluded to, the weather, poor crops, bad yeah. loans to friends, assuming, assuming the debt of his father-in-law. Um, so Yeah, but, that yeah. was,
0: wow. When I read that the first time, I was like, man, who among us would actually do that? I don't know right. if I could do it, you know, no.
1: just
0: say, let the farm go to hell. I'm, I can't do that. Of course, mm-hmm. I don't have the means, so I, I would <laughs> have to say that. But cutting away from width, and and I highly recommend the book. Let me go back to the title again. Uh, Jefferson's Godfather: The Man Behind the Man. You definitely should get that. It's on Amazon. There are links in the uh, in the text below the the video line. Uh, and once once this makes it to YouTube YouTube, it doesn't go up right away. But when it gets there, you'll find the links either in the description or the comment section. Um, and both books are linked. But as we move on to Jefferson, um, there is one question, maybe we'll get back to it later about with, but I'll, I'll move on. The term metaphysical, um, it doesn't necessarily count out uh, the paranormal. You can You can use it in that sense. But metaphysical also means the essence, the essential Thomas Jefferson, that which makes Thomas Jefferson him and on that we can debate all year long you know Uh, Thomas Jefferson the slave owner was also one of the earliest proponents of getting rid of slavery Uh, he and Mason had many discussions about the issue and most of them written down in letters and Mason said this is our ticket to hell man if we don't figure this out, we're going to hell for this. Yeah, You can't justify it. And they both believed that slavery would have died its own death economically. And it was actually happening just prior to the Civil War. Um, people were realizing slavery is way more expensive than sharecropping. Um, and they were already, in some cases, parceling off land to the they're slaves. They would free them, parcel them land, and they'd work together to to make money. Um, but we hadn't learned it by the Civil War, and Je- Jefferson didn't couldn't visualize that day. Uh, so that was that was one of the things that are conflicting about Thomas Jefferson. One of my biggest complaints. I don't know if you've read any of my stuff on the Substack. Uh, I'm pretty brash. <laughs> When I lost my glasses today, there was a tiny bit of cursing, just the tiniest bit.
1: I'm with you. Pardon me? I'm with you.
0: Yeah. So when, when I go off on D.C., I go off and my biggest criticism among the million is ethics. What would Thomas Jefferson say about what we have inside the Beltway today?
1: Well, he would agree with the comedian Robin Williams. Robin Williams said that congressmen should wear um, NASCAR jackets so we can see who owns them. (laughs) That would be a little bit more honest than what they're doing right now. Yeah. Um, He would be uh, extremely concerned about what's going on today in Washington. Um, Corruption. Uh, There was a a small amount of corruption that was beginning to take place in his time, but nothing on the scale of today. Um, Self-dealing, self-interest, feathering one's own nest, serving oneself instead of the public. Um, He he would be really, really concerned about uh, the influence of big money on elections. Um, Now that's not brand new because at the end of the, 19th century, um, some of the big tycoons were trying to buy an election. Did their best to buy an election, and then they got Teddy Roosevelt, and then all hell broke loose Uh uh, with the you know what Roosevelt did with monopolies and so on. But definitely, there was uh, in in the latter part of the 19th century, which wasn't that long after the country got started, um, there was that um, that element of big money uh, trying to sway. Uh, elections.
0: Yeah, and and Jefferson wasn't a neophyte in that regard. He he saw the writing on the wall with the first central bank, and That's Hamilton right. mm-hmm. Hamilton had a cabal of bankers who were more than happy to grant him huge interest if he could just get the national bank, which would really have just been a conglomerate of private banks financing the right. government. Um, Jefferson railed against that um, totally disgusted with it personally i think aaron burr did us a favor <laughs> with that duel but yeah the, the the corruption was there but like you said it's nowhere near on the scale of what we see today nowhere right. near as complex um as it is today um today it's so opaque it's hard to find the roots of it all I've always said that I could write full-time, and I'd be willing to do it for free. Well, I'm full-time, and I'm doing it for free. (laughs) It doesn't feel as purely good as I thought it might. It is a labor of love, I promise, but I wouldn't mind picking up a few shekels and yen, you know, a little beer money. So, keep me motivated. There are two ways you can support the P4B directly. One is by visiting Poe River, where you can find P4B gear and all kinds of other cool stuff. The other way is by smashing the button provided just above the final segment. To be sure, not everyone can afford to support a podcast. If you would be kind enough to hit the share button whenever you visit, that too would go a long way in supporting my work. But really, you know, beer money. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley.
1: Right. Another thing that he would be concerned about, and this is related to corruption uh, at all levels of government, uh, the local level included, um, is the um, is freedom of the press. And of course that is an embedded in our uh, constitution, but um, I think Jefferson would be very, very concerned about the erosion of uh, the, the press, the print media. Um, we used to have many more investigative reporters uh, rooting out, you know, malfeasance yeah. at the local state national level. But because of cutbacks, um, particularly in the print media, uh, you have fewer of those now reporting on government. And yeah, well, there, very, was, there was a time nice. where
0: a reporter's job was investigating. Reporter, you you find the facts wherever they lead, and then you report it. Now it just seems they're stenographers for the whatever party they favor.
1: Well, and bias in the media. Um, What happened in the 20th, there was bias in the media in Jefferson's time, and he contributed to it, you know, to get elected. But basically, I think their hope was that that the mass media would would try to present things as truthfully as possible. And then if you're campaigning, of course, you do what you do. But at least when news is presented, it should be presented in the most balanced and even way possible. Now, another uh, tragedy, and it's related to the freedom of the press is that during the 20th century, schools of journalism popped up all over the United States. And it was really cool to major in journalism. I remember that time, uh, because you thought you could probably get a job at a newspaper, maybe a decent job. You wouldn't get rich, but you know it'd be rewarding. And in the schools of journalism, they were taught to be objective. And I remember um, I had a job, a PR job under an old, old newspaper guy. And he would correct me when I had the slightest bit of bias. And I remember uh, this was at a university. And I called one of the professors an expert in something. And he said, no, we don't say expert. We say specialist. Right. Fine line. But that just shows you how precise they wanted to be about being objective.
0: Right. They, they They used to fact check stories to death.
1: Yes. And, and there were times, rushed. I'm sure,
0: where they had really good stories Yes, that really should have been reported. But when you did the fact checking, you couldn't pull enough together. So the story
1: goes away. Right.
0: Um, and so on Broadway,
1: Right. So when you see uh, and, and I think we have pretty good TV stations, fairly objective TV stations here in Richmond, as far as I can tell. But, you know, I don't know how many of those reporters have actually gone to journalism school, right. you know. And, of course, they dress up the females like they're going to a cocktail party so the men will look at them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Where do they find those women? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a, a modeling school for TV news, you know. Right. It's, it's, it's crazy. And some yeah. of them are pretty smart, you know. Yeah. Some of them are whip smart. <laughs> but you can tell, you can tell the editorial. Uh, uh, line and that goes that goes both ways. Yeah, I can find I can hear something on CNN or Fox, right? Hearing it from either one, whether the the point is liberal or conservative, does not make it untrue. The problem is, both outlets and all the emerging outlets today have done so much damage to their own credibility. Right. And I think that comes to a point I was going to ask you about both men. And that is the dumbing down of America. Um, I, I, I've said a couple of times, if, if you read something written by the average literate American in the Civil War era or the Revolutionary War era and compare it for content and quality to the average literate person's writing today, it's deplorable how we look by comparison. What would either of the, both of these guys thought of that reality today?
1: Well, our founding fathers were truly educated people and they didn't leave it behind in college. Um, They were uh, uh, constant learners they loved having large libraries, they loved ordering books from England and Europe, and they loved discussing ideas, and they all were steeped in the Enlightenment philosophy of of John Locke, and um, not only the ancient thinkers, Plato, Aristotle, and those, uh, and um, the commentators on what good government should be, Yeah, yeah. um, you know, the, the later philosophers, particularly John Locke, who's who influenced um, the Declaration of Independence tremendously. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, of course, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have radio, they didn't have TV. So their main source of entertainment was- That's going to be my
0: next point, go ahead.
1: Yeah, and and discussing uh, great ideas among themselves. I mean, that was their idea of fun, was to sit around maybe with a drink with their peers. And as they discussed politics and the future of the United States, and the government that it should take that should take shape here. Uh, they were very well informed on um, the government, the history of government in Europe and uh, Rome and Greece and so on. And they were people of big ideas. They discussed big ideas. They didn't waste their time on social media and TV trivia. And you know, all that. Have and you we been reading totally, my stuff? We're Totally wasting our head time here in this country. Uh, have, have you been reading my stuff?
0: I, I say that all the time. This. The combined knowledge of the universe is right here.
1: Yes. But
0: we use one billionth of it. You know, could you imagine somebody with Jefferson's curiosity, hand them this. Right. Intellectual curiosity. We seek out that which gives us our confirmation bias and reblast it to the world. And that's how we use this thing. Right. And each year we get dumber and dumber and dumber. I said this goes, it started with radio. The acquisition of knowledge became too easy. The acquisition of information, not knowledge, became too easy on the radio. Uh, then it was TV, then it was the electronics. And when you don't challenge yourself in an endeavor you don't get stronger if you don't challenge yourself intellectually you don't get smarter you get dumber (laughs) right and i feel like i feel like that's what we've done to ourselves
1: we have it's a combination of of laziness and and self-interest um total interest in self what are people especially social media What's my girlfriend thinking about me that I'm wearing today or seeing today? Yeah, yeah. Um very, very self-interested. Um, and um, and that's not a good way to be. You know, we need to be outward, outwardly thinking and right. um, outwardly motivated people. Yeah. Now the yeah. the printing, the internet is just like the printing press. There's bad stuff that comes off the printing press, but there's a lot of wonderful stuff as well
0: like the p4b Obviously,
1: you need to be a critical thinker and you need yeah. to choose the the better part of that i myself i'm on online a lot but i'm online to learn i'm online to learn history i'm online to learn from spiritual people who i think um, you know have a lot to say well, and um i i learn a, a lot all the time from what's online yeah and the I'm, irony I'm of this who's...
0: discussion isn't lost on I mean, here we are, Mm -hmm. we're producing screen time for people. And and if anything, that's got to be the worst aspect of society today. I just hope people take discussions like this and use it as a a, a springboard for information to learn about George to learn about Thomas Jefferson and the way they thought and the things they did. I'm just not sanguine that it's going to happen Uh, I worry that information has gotten so centralized and uh, so specialized certainly people get their law degree using their computers and, and that's fine that's great but reading for reading's sake, learning for learning's sake I don't think it's done anymore. I don't know if we'll ever get another George Witt. I just don't know. No. I, I worry.
1: It is It is a concern. It is a concern. We we have more information today than we ever had before, but we're less well-informed than we've ever been, in, been before. Uh-huh. Uh, and you're right about the bias. Um, there was a... Commentator that I used to listen to uh, back in the day it was very popular, won't mention any names. <laughs> but um, I realized that he was only one-sided. He, he could only see the good in anybody in what anybody in his party was doing. He could only see the bad in what the other party people were doing. And even though he was very intelligent, that's not intellectually honest um occasionally the republicans will get something right occasionally the democrats will get something right they'll get things wrong on both sides you need a happy balance where you're looking as objectively as possible on a bill no matter who put the bill forward um does it have merit you know is it good for the people uh but right now a lot of really good bills are being squashed i i think maybe you know that Addressing the immigration problem is is a good example. Uh, there should be new legislation on that, but they're so afraid of giving the other party credit or blame for that terrible problem that we have, nothing well, is being done. And both sides Congress of the argument the
0: have every every reason to not address it. The fact is that the law is a law. The laws are on the books, and people are saying we can't follow the law because it's broken. Well that's not an option until you create the winning argument to get a new law and get it passed and get it signed by the president then you can do something different but right now they're just saying no the laws are broken so we gotta let them come across the border by the minute and right. asylum uh, anybody who's not from mexico hits our southern border claiming an asylum and that's it's just not
1: legitimate. Yeah, Mexico well, is a also- treaty nation,
0: and and when you arrive in Mexico from wherever seeking asylum, your journey ends right there.
1: Yeah, You're over. Yeah. Right. So we're abusing well, this Obviously, system. yeah, yeah. Obviously, the law need needs to be rewritten, yeah. but it's not going to be because um, one side wants to blame the other and use it as an election um, tool, and um, and they just don't get anywhere. You know, uh-huh. they blame it on somebody else, but it clearly is Congress that should be changing this. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're not being
0: held responsible. Anybody. Right. Yeah. You were talking about the party bias. People think I'm biased because I come from a a libertarian or a conservative bent. But when I talk about politics. I I ding everybody because they're all of the same stripe now you have democrat and democrat light or republican and republican light you don't have people representing their states as they should we need to repeal the 17th amendment and and, and pursuing an ethical approach to the job in washington right and when i criticize washington that's that's what i'm criticizing i may pick somebody of the left wing strike to slap pretty hard or, you know, but I'll go, I'll go as hard on McConnell as I will on Pelosi. Because mm-hmm. to me, they're both, they are both birds of an identical feather. Identical. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't want to get too carried away with that.
1: Yeah. Word. Well, um, I think, you know, also talking about corruption. <laughs> yeah. You know, the worst example was that Congressman, recent example, public example was a congressman from new york i forget his name anyway a foreign power i think it was a some a arab power was giving him gold bars gold, bars of gold for influence peddling oh that was um
0: that was menendez new jersey menendez
1: right yeah, and right, that's
0: right. His, that's his third trip to the carpet and they still haven't done anything with him i know cuz they know, need
1: every-
0: need his party vote right Exactly correct. When when he's leaning uh, uh, a little independent or leaning toward the Republicans, the Republicans get real quiet about it. And of course, when they needed Obamacare and they needed that one more vote, his second offense got brushed under the rug. They say they're going to take care of it now, but I don't believe it. I don't see any evidence that he's going to suffer any consequences. Uh, he was also well, a friend of
1: Epstein. Oh, my goodness. Well, and then there's more subtle forms of bribery, such as we have seen uh, with the Supreme Court justice with some questionable behavior there. Um, wealthy influences along ideological lines. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, the politicians need to be really careful about those things. You know, people want your friendship, but they want something in return. Don't think that they're your real friends, honey. They're
0: not. Always. Yes, there's always quid pro quo. Vanguard does not give money to uh, Nikki, Nikki Haley out of the goodness of their heart. <laughs> right. That's an ambitious ruthless bank and they will have expectations on the other end yes um you said politicians have to be careful and you're right sadly we're not living in a time where politicians need to be careful in that regard because so many people look critically as as a matter of fact one of my questions that i have up on the board is about critical thinking and thomas jefferson specifically uh, a lack of critical thinking. What would you tell voters today? What would Thomas Jefferson tell voters today to be better voters?
1: He would say that the one thing he craves for this country is is critical thinking. Um, make an effort to be informed. We're very, very lazy people. Uh, a lot of people... Uh, vote just for what they get from their friends on social media. Wow. You know, they don't dig and dig uh, into the wow. person's past voting record or what that person might do in office. And, um, well, let's take the um, abortion question. I'm not coming down on either side of that. I am saying that it was a stealth movement by the, uh, the um, um, anti-abortion people who figured out the system, they showed up at Republican precinct meetings and other people didn't. And they oh. didn't know what was going on until it all happened in these states, you know, where, Who? what happened to that right? Right. Uh, well, what happened? I don't know. What happened? Well, you voted these people in, but you had no idea what they stood for. That is correct. We, we deserve what
0: we get. There's yeah. going to be um, and, and I invite you when when you are free to to browse the substack and look at what I talk about with regard to the immediate future, with demographic decline, the decline in trade and production uh internationally. There's some tough times ahead. And we can cruise through them because we are in a great situation compared to the rest of the world. We can cruise through these tough times, but we likely won't because we have not put the right people in responsible positions to actually deal with the problem. The people we've put in position in both parties are by and large dedicated to uh, enriching themselves as a result of these times ahead and (laughs) Matt and Suzanne are like they can go to hell where they, they, they the politicians do not care about us. and and, and again, it's it's like uh, what I said about uh, the the acquisition of knowledge, I I don't feel um, upbeat about the possibilities as I look ahead. In terms of people right. informing themselves, I get, oh, you know, I'm in the public eye, or I'm busy, I got Little League, good, all good excuses. None of them carry water.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, because you only have those things left, and and soon they'll go away.
1: Well, when when I was in the public relations business, <laughs> I was with an unpopular company. And um, an insurance company. And um, so I hated the calls from the reporters because I knew it was going to be about something bad. But I always had a spokesperson or I tried my best to represent the company. We always uh-huh. got back to the media. Uh, but today, um, the, the people who hold these jobs in, in government are stonewalling. and um, And this goes back to the lack of investigative reporting. I live in Richmond, Virginia, and the and there's virtually no coverage of how our congressmen and women are, are voting, how they voted on a key issue. That is just well, simply not covered. I don't know why. I mean, it's not like it's dull. You can that, make that. That, you, that should
0: be a running scorecard, like right. the, the old news with the Vietnam body counts every night.
1: Right. And every so time they should dedicate
0: day. a a story of what did your representative do today
1: right exactly and um in the old days we used to joke you know your worst day would be when the crew of 60 minutes was on your doorstep cuz right. <laughs> but 60 minutes is just one of the few remaining outlets yet that is that does investigative reporting and the congress people are are virtually unquestioned uh they could do anything short of like shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue, um, and it would not be covered. Well. Yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna have some malfeasance there as well. Oh, yeah.
0: And and when when the young Turks show up, they, they get elected, tell them their their constituents when I get there, man, I'm gonna change it. Of course. And then they get there and during that first week indoctrination, while they're learning parliamentary rule and all that stuff. It's made perfectly clear. You start firing off about your passions and you're leaving in two years. Right. You're not coming back and you're not getting a committee and you're not getting funding. So it's it's buck the entire system or fall in line on day one.
1: Yeah. It's possible that that things could be better in another 20 years or so. Now, what Thomas Jefferson would ask for uh, would be a new revolution. He loved revolutions. And, um, but he would say not of the bloody sort that we need an, a a revolution of integrity. And um, so if we asked him today, uh, well, what would you do as president? He'd probably say, well, I couldn't be president today because I wouldn't have that many people following me. And somebody has to have a, a sufficient number of followers to get elected. Oh he would say, well, maybe I'd start in Congress and I would try to um, have a a circle of integrity, a circle of people who were there to serve the public and not themselves. And then over a period of time, maybe that circle would enlarge enough so that we would have some influence and really get something good done for the country. But until that circle of integrity forms and enlarges, we're going to be stuck with what we have.
0: Yeah, I I wonder if we haven't gone so far that we wouldn't go back to old school Jefferson and consider what he said about the blood of tyrants. What a tyrants and patriots needs to be spilled. He also said it's a really good thing when the government the governed the, the the governors fear the governed. Um, that's a healthy fear. And these people haven't been afraid of us in 70 years. Uh, they've got the system down. And I don't I don't think, uh, I don't know uh, if we could ever get it back without something radical. I don't know. Not that I know of any generals that are out there who are ready to lead the charge. Uh, I don't think we have any of them anymore either.
1: Uh, Well, then we just have a military dictatorship and we'd be just like the banana republics to the south. That's the one thing that
0: we've had three um, opportunities
1: to have that.
0: And the men who could have led it handed handed their sword to Congress. In two cases on purpose, I mean, in, in, in actuality, handed their sword to Congress. One was Washington. And one was Grant. Grant could have taken washington the, the day the war ended and it would have been you know hail hail caesar at that point but he knew it wasn't necessary um and, uh, and just just for lack of a of an alternative i wouldn't know what to think other than to just keep doing what we're doing keep plugging away keep trying to tell people this is this is the way it should be this is the way we think it should be you know yeah. you, give me your ideas too.
1: Well, I, I talk to my congressman. Um, I, I send him little messages from time to time mm. and uh, expect a reply. Please don't send me a form letter. I want a specific re- reply to this. I always
0: say that and I get the form letter anyway. You get the
1: form letter, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, but I, I I live in a district that could go either way. So when I say, you know, the independent voters have some concerns about this in your new district, then I, I, I do know that some of my messages get yeah. through. Yeah, but if I you're get, in, a... I get
0: better reaction on Facebook mm-hmm. when, I, when I troll them and they're out there counting. You know, today I went to the Fishermen's Association meeting and it was awesome. The people were great. I'll say, Great, what are you doing about ESG? You know, <laughs> what right. are you doing about the, this stuff we're teaching our kids? I'll put it right in the comments. And that, that gets me more reaction actually than writing them. Although I I do encourage writing. Yeah. Congressman and your senator. I met Warner, the original Warner, not the one we have now. Right. Um, And I had an issue that I needed to speak to him about. And I got to his office and he was there. We had an appointment. And he's banging it. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but I knew there was ill will going on inside that office. I turned to his secretary and I said, what is going on? And she said, "He's getting a divorce. It's just been decided today. Oh. He's getting a divorce. That was with Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. And I thought, oh man, I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. <laughs> but
1: That's, right. That's right. It turned out
0: he was he was great. He was able to he was able to flush the personal and sit down. Had a good meeting. And uh, we were talking very much in along the lines of what you and I are talking about right now. After we." dealt with the other matter. And I said, "What? what is your biggest challenge as a senator? He said, nobody talks to me. He said, everybody's heard the phrase, write your congressman, write your senator. He said, nobody does. He said, I'm supposed to be considering a bill for my constituents, and I have no idea what my constituents think. You know, right. they'll, they'll call with a complaint about the local dog catcher, but they won't call with a, a concern about the legislation we're considering right now. He right. said, that would be terrific. So he, yes. told, he always tell people, write your congressman, you know, do it.
1: Well, it's a lot easier now. Uh, I get in touch with mine not through a, a, the U.S. mail, but, you know, online. Uh-huh. So it's it's easy to get in touch with your congressman. It's no, no trouble. You can do it in, you know, three minutes. Uh, yeah. But people don't, you know. There's, a lot of people don't even know who their congressperson is. I have I, I've been million. amazed for that uh, reason yeah some college well, graduates that i know yeah oh uh uh is are we in his district now i didn't know that
0: yeah yeah oh, and, attention, and girl. i'm 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 a bad offender in that regard too i mean i i pay attention to national politics because um i do broad sweep and trend spotting and history and that's the part that most people know um but i don't spend enough time on local politics um and understanding the minutiae of what we need to understand to bring the power back home. Right. You know, well, it I- all
1: starts at the local level. Now, And I wouldn't know these things because I didn't get this. in gov- I had a real good government teacher in high school. I think I had a year of government. I, and we learned a lot. I hope that that's still going on. I don't know. But uh, one thing I didn't learn was about precinct meetings. And uh, I had to learn that from the League of Women Voters. And so they said, you know, that's grassroots. That's where it all gets started. Show up at either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party precinct meetings. Um, All politics is local, that's where it gets started. And you end up, we end up with some terrible candidate and it's all a matter, Woody Allen said 80% of life is just showing up. Well, we don't show up at precinct meetings or regional or state meetings of our political parties either one and as I said before the ones who really figured this out were the pro-life people they fig they knew how the system worked and they worked it to their advantage well and they both, got results
0: there are movements yeah. on both sides who yeah. have uh, taken advantage of the system as it was intended to be mm-hmm. um, and that's how they get the grassroots well look at look at the parents in Loudon County look at what we learned that we never would have learned if they didn't start showing up to school board meetings and giving them the what for, we never would have learned about the crazy, crazy things they're teaching our kids, as opposed to civics, which would be nice, but they don't teach it anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, Uh, we're a country of extremes. We swing way one way and then way the other way and uh we just don't like moderation because we think it's boring. Yeah. But um we we do need more centrists. We need people who will see both sides of a question and try to come down on, on do the right thing. Yeah. I I will
0: uh, I've been tracking the time for you. I don't want to I don't want to keep you overly long and I I also have to be able to edit this mess when I'm done. Get rid of all my verbal pauses of which you have none. <laughs> I hate that about myself. When I when I interview people, their stuff just runs uncut the whole time. Ron Corey is notorious for that. And my side gets chopped in in little pieces because of my silly delivery. Um, but I will ask you two more subjects, uh near and dear to my heart, as you can see behind me. Um Jefferson's point about the misuse of the military foreign wars or not?
1: Well, he said that the our military was set up to protect our own shores. And that some of our, uh, he would probably say that some of our recent wars uh, went afield. Um, they, they were not directly related to protecting our shores. Uh, they were presented as as that. But as it, as it turned out, a lot of mistakes were made and a lot of lives were lost and a lot of people came back handicapped. Um, Now, the Pentagon Papers, 1971, showed the real truth about that war. Uh Um, And it was a very sad truth about the lies that the government told about that war. uh, uh, Willingly. And they knew they were lying.
0: And that was the beginning. Absolutely, yeah.
1: That was the beginning of um, part of the beginning of uh, the demoralization of people uh, in terms of viewing their government as, um, as a benign parent, for example.
0: Right. I, my view on modern warfare, post-World War II from Korea till now, we have wasted 120,000 lives and absolutely nothing changed. Those that we were, we were there to conquer, remained in power, and we walked away from Korea to Afghanistan, except for Grenada. Huh. <laughs> that was easy. You know, Grenada, we won. Yeah, it right. Took two whole days. Uh, but the rest have been an absolute mess. They all fall into line with what you just said. And I do believe Jefferson would say that. I do believe he would look at the military situation today and what has been for the past 70 years.
1: Right. Another thing he would say um, that we've all known about the small towns that were uh, that had a military installation nearby that uh, where uh, it was practical and uh, cost saving to shut down that installation. But it was no longer serving a military purpose. It was serving an economic person purpose excuse me right. and um it, it became an employer as opposed to a, a force for protecting our shores uh, the, a lot of these bases were obsolete right and so it became political you know then the people called their congressman you can't shut down the base in my town the town will die well yeah yeah
0: take everybody else's base right kill kill, kill ivan's go did you ever hear that right. story? an economist that, that kill Ivan. Um, Ivan and 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 Sasha have goats. They're goat farmers next door to each other. And every morning they kick their goats and yell at their goats and try to get milk from their goats. And they're angry all the time because they don't get enough. And then one day, um, Sasha realizes, or, yeah, or Ivan realizes that if I'm nice to the goat, I get more milk. And I'll cut the story short, but except to say that he gets very successful by being nice to his goat. But Sasha continues to be rotten. And one day, a genie that in Eastern culture that would be an angel appears, and asks Sasha if you could have one thing. What would it be? And he said, "Kill Ivan's goat."
1: You know, oh, instead, of saying, instead of saying, make me successful like Ivan. Exactly. Ivans, exactly. Well, uh, that's the thinking of a lot of people on this planet today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that that goes with base closings, and and I want the mil- I want that dollar in my district versus their district. Right. Um, the decisions need to be made militarily. We have to become colder in our decision making. Yes. It can't be. Well, how do we divvy up the making of an Abrams tank? Right. It has to start being. How do we make an Abrams tank most efficiently?
1: And also, there's been some bribery uh, among officials, uh, uh, shipbuilders, and others who who uh, have. Um, people in charge in the military have gotten a little largesse from certain contracts. Mm -hmm. Yep,
0: Yeah. And and when you try to close down, if if a politician says, really, we don't need this shipyard anymore. And we really don't, but you'd still think he, he just stomped your puppy, you know? uh, Yeah. We have to grow up a lot. Um, And I am not, because I'm such a wonderful guy, going to get into January 6th. I think I think our, our views would diverge terribly. It wouldn't be my friend anymore. Um, last point. Uh, we've kind of hit it, but kind of not. Higher education. What would Jefferson say about higher education in this country?
1: Well, Jefferson uh, founded the University of Virginia, of course, and he wanted it to be a a beacon of enlightenment, uh, not just for Virginians, but for students from all over to come, from all over the world to come. And um, he uh, created the, um, the layout for the school, the Academical Village, where faculty and students would be housed side by side and they would have a close relationship. In fact, the faculty would live above classrooms originally. Uh, yeah, um, I think he'd be dismayed by the um, top heaviness of universities today, and also um, so much attention to fundraising. Of course, foot you know sports being big fundraiser, but not helping academics particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also uh, funds coming from government agencies and from the private sector and from foreign influencing what is done at the, at the faculty level. And I think he would say that students are getting the short end of the totem pole today. Um, that universities need to focus more on students and less on funding. Yeah, definitely. The same
0: can be said for um, primary, secondary education. Um And the spending doesn't matter if it's not spent right. What is it? DC, 27,000 per year per student, K through 12. And what are we getting for our dollar? Right. It's pretty disgusting. Well, I'll tell you, it's been a great conversation. I would like in the future to bring you back specifically about with. I'm going to read the book and I want to, I want to know a lot more about it. Um, Jefferson I mean a lot of people know Jefferson probably should know more about him but he's he's common knowledge where George Witt is not uh, so if it's okay maybe in a couple months I'll have you back and we'll just talk about that book that would be awesome sure But I, I spent really, five
1: years on it I'm sorry what was that? I spent five years writing that book uh, that's Writing a book is not easy.
0: Uh, I wrote Street Politics. And I was mostly in the canon, 2014. And then I kind of, before release, I started throwing some stuff about the 2015-16 campaign. Um, And then I did my own editing. Don't do your own editing. It's like doing surgery on the back of your own head. It doesn't work out that's right but it was it was quite a chore i respect anybody who puts out a book because it's it's a tough slug. but that's what that resulted in you know i started writing in 2011 and i've been at it ever since um and i hope someday somebody will read my stuff and say oh that's that was that guy was right Uh, A lot of my predictions have come true. It's just I have to go back through and say, see, I told you. I told you. But Suzanne, is it Susan or Suzanne? Suzanne. Suzanne. That was awesome. I enjoyed it. It was way more down to earth than I thought it would be. (laughs) I I was prejudging. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you again. And uh, we'll get this out as soon as we can. I'll let you know when it's on the streets. Great. Thank you very much for being yeah. here.
1: Thanks for the uh, mentioning my books. That's very helpful.
0: No problem at all.
1: Okay. Good.
0: Be sure to use all the buttons at the top and bottom of the text. We live and die by the share and subscribe buttons. Send inquiries to Productions at gmail.com. Thank you very much for joining us today.